Good evening. I wish to talk to you this evening about the, the state of the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, to whom it concerns, it's a black goal! That was a super goal! Cantwell makes no mistake from the spot, and error win 3-2. Look at him! Look at him in anguish! Oh, look at the Spanish keeper in anguish! Oh, it's so false! It's so false! And up yours as well. Hello and welcome to a special lockdown episode of Irish Football Chronicles. I haven't got my act together sufficiently to record our next scheduled episode, so here's just a quick mini-sode on a curiosity of the Jack Charlton era. And it's an interesting one because it really highlights just how different the game was back in the early 1990s. For this episode, we're going all the way back to the 1st of July 1992. Ireland had just missed out on Euro 92 despite going unbeaten through the qualifiers. So instead of the finals tournament in Sweden, some of Ireland's top players spent their summer, or at least one day of their summer, playing five-a-side in the RDS. But it wasn't just a kickabout, it was a proper honest-to-goodness international football tournament. Today, small-sided football has morphed into the sport of futsal, It's all very official and po-faced and a world unto itself. This competition, the Celtic Warriors Tournament of 1992, might have been the last occasion on which proper current international footballers faced off against one another at five-a-side level. But up until the early 1990s, it wasn't all that unusual to see top pros taking part in small-sided football. In the 1980s, the Soccer Sixes competition attracted all the major teams and players in England, usually to Birmingham or Manchester, and was nationally televised on the BBC. With serious money flooding into the English game in the early 90s, those competitions had largely died a death by 1992, and for obvious reasons. You couldn't really have your £3 million striker risking his precious ankles on an astroturf carpet. But noted League of Ireland character, let's call him, Noel King and his brother Christy, who was formerly an executive with Uderos Nagueltukta, approached the FAI with the concept of a documentary on the native languages of the so-called Celtic nations and regions and an international five-a-side tournament to go alongside it. If you're struggling to see the connection, you're not the only one. Incredibly, they managed to get the football associations of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, Wales and France signed up to the idea. And there was some serious star power involved. Initially, it was announced that Roy Keane and Eric Cantona would be lining out. Neither eventually turned up, but the squads were still packed with internationals. The Welsh side, managed by Howard Kendall for some reason, had Neville Southall, Mark Bowen and Barry Horn in its ranks, and was known as the Mappin Warriors, presumably after the Mappinogion of Welsh legend. Scotland, under player-manager Gordon Strachan, fielded Gary McAllister, Pat Nevin, Mark McGee and Roy Aitken. Bear in mind that Nevin and McAllister had been playing in the European Championships barely two weeks earlier. France sent probably the weakest squad, but it was player-managed by the legendary Didier Cisse, then well into his 30s, but still more than capable of turning it on, as he was to show. As for the two Irelands, well, the Northern Ireland squad was managed by Peter Reid and was known as, are you ready? The Red Branch Warriors, which really does sound like a cover name the UBF might have been using at the time. It was a pretty strong squad, featuring the likes of Michael Hughes, the late Alan MacDonald, and Shamrock Rovers striker Alan Campbell. 
As for the Republic side, known as the Fianna Warriors, this is where it starts to get a bit strange. The squad managed by Jack Charlton consisted of Jerry Payton, Mick McCarthy, Andy Townsend, Alan McLaughlin, John Aldridge and Tony Cascarino. Now, not to be unkind, but if Mick McCarthy or Tony Cascarino turned up to your Friday Night Astro, even in their prime, you'd probably stick them in goal. Unsurprisingly, Ireland didn't fare too well in a format relying on passing and dribbling. Football nerds might like to note that this was the first time Charlton's team had to contend with the new backpass rule. The qualifiers for the 1994 World Cup were the first senior internationals under the new rule, but Ireland played their opening qualifier in May 1992 before it had come into force, so Packy Bonner was still able to merrily pluck the ball off the ground during the 2-0 win over Albania. Um, I've no idea whether the documentary that was meant to be produced alongside the tournament was ever released, but I do know that the Celtic Warriors tournament was packaged up and broadcast over the course of the summer, because I remember seeing it. It's yet to surface, incredibly, in Greg Malloy's Irish video archive, which has basically everything ever broadcast under the sun, but the tournament was chopped up into half-hour packages and strung out over the course of an entire month between August and September 1992 on RTE. Not bad for a tournament that only lasted three and a half hours. Years before the launch of TNG, this was the first time football had been broadcast with Irish language commentary, with Des Cahill joined by Sean Bonbranhock behind the mics. The games were six minutes each way and they were all played on Wednesday the 1st of July. Unusually for a five-a-side competition, the games were played outdoors at the RDS. The organisers had ambitiously noted that capacity would be capped at 12,000, but in the event the crowd mostly consisted of schoolchildren. In the opening game, Wales drew one all with France, Barry Horn exchanging goals with Didier Cisse. Ireland, or the Fianna Warriors, were up next against Scotland, or Alba Warriors, a Charlton side crashed to a 3-1 defeat with a hat-trick from Pat Nevin doing the damage. Nevin incidentally completely knackered his ankle in the next game, which must have delighted his club. Northern Ireland beat Wales 2-1. France beat Scotland 3-1 with a hat-trick from DDA Cease, including a spectacular overhead effort, before the Republic lost again to Northern Ireland, Alan MacDonald with the goal for the Red Branch Warriors. Uh, The small crowd were certainly getting their money's worth, at least in terms of goals. Wales beat Scotland 3-1 and Northern Ireland drew 3-all with France. Two more goals for Cease and two more for Alan Campbell. The Republic finally got some points on the board with a 3-1 win over Wales. McLaughlin, McCarthy and Townsend, the scorers. That left them in with a shot of reaching the final in their last round-robin game against DDA Cease's Gaul Warriors. Goals from Aldridge and Townsend put Ireland 2-1 up. But the French countered through late efforts, although aren't they all late efforts in a 12-minute game, from Françoise and Jeannol. 3-2 to France, who went through to the final to face Northern Ireland. And the final was another engrossing affair, which finished 2-all. Northern Ireland had a bit of help from Dublin referee Michael Caulfield, who awarded France a goal and then abruptly changed his mind. The match went to penalties, and at 2-2 in the shootout, it was settled by the goalkeepers. Always a great thrill when this happens. Northern Ireland keeper Tommy Wright hacked his effort miles wide, which allowed Gilles Rousset to settle matters with a confident penalty, which won France the rather fabulous Waterford Crystal trophy. So, that's it. 
If anyone does have footage of the tournament, or even of the unique jerseys that Ireland wore, which must be exceptionally rare, please get in touch. I'd also love to know how the tournament got the go-ahead and who profited from it, although maybe some things are best left alone. Incredibly, that wasn't the end of the international summer for Jack Charlton's side, who jetted off to the United States for the US Cup, where they lost to the US and Italy, but defeated Portugal. Uh, We'll hopefully be back soon enough with our scheduled podcast on the Italia 90 qualifier between the Republic and Northern Ireland at Lansdowne Road. But until then, please take care of yourselves and one another. Bye for now.